for the guys that have been burnt, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, that shit sucks real bad sometimes. Sometimes, like, you're, like, the fucking guy. Like, you're doing all the things that you think you're supposed to be doing and you are doing, and you're fucking killing it, showing up, doing the things, and you're just – you're that guy. And then some woman or whoever, some person, just fucking ruins it. And you're like, ah, that sucks. Now what? What are you going to do? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast. Today, we are so blessed to have Mike Draper, a.k.a. Mortgage Mike, a.k.a. Retired Husband. He has amassed a following of over 500,000, over 300,000 on TikTok, over 140,000 on Instagram with his hilarious single dad videos with his adorable little daughter. He is just the most wonderful personality to have on today. We're going to dive into men's mental health, what it's like to be a single dad, what it's like to be in the system, going through that process, having a child and tons of other fun, wacky stuff. So welcome Mike to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Yes. I'm excited to be here. It's quick, quick turnaround from when you asked to, to right now. I love it. You started off your TikTok as mortgage Mike, teaching people how to like get mortgages and stuff, right? To support your business. And now it's like solely about relationship content, right? Yeah, definitely took a pivot there. Tell us about that pivot. How'd that yeah. come about? Um, it, so mortgage Mike, it's how it started the account, all mortgage content, real estate finance. And then I, made, I sprinkled in some random uh, like millennial over 30s, divorce, dating stuff. And some of those you know, did super well with views. And so I was like, well, why did that video get so many views, but not that one? And so then it became a challenge of like figuring out the algorithm, how to go viral, like a little game. And then, and then some reality shows reached out like The Bachelorette, Big Brother and some others. And I went through a bunch of interviews with them and never got on the shows, um, but went through like the whole process, like pretty deep. And so that was like, okay, what else can this, this old TikTok do? Like, let's see, let's, let's put some eggs in this basket over here and let's play with it. It's because I enjoy making the videos they are fun. Right. And, um, I have a great time making them and thinking them, thinking them up and all the things. And, uh, and so then it became just like a, let's just keep hammering this until it's not fun anymore. And then how do I grow an account? Like, what is that? What do I like to make? What do I not want to make? Like all the things and just kind of fell on dating. Cause it's like, you know, it's real to me. It's my life. And then like, the experiences I put in the videos, like the jokes, they've all happened to me, right? They're not like, there's no lies there, but now how frequently, like the punchline of like getting ghosted, am I ghosted 12 times a week? No. Okay. But it has it happened. Yeah, absolutely. But that's how it kind of came to where I'm at today. That's so funny. I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause I think I asked you that before too. I'm like, why do you make yourself look so desperate in these videos? when I know you're not. And he's, I'm not, I, yeah, if I come across desperate, that's, that's I guess, it's part of the joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am very much content with my life and where I'm at. And like, I, I love being single, right? Like I'm not even like at the moment, I'm not, am I dating? No, right now I'm not dating anybody. I'm not even trying to date. I'm not on dating apps. I'm not, I'm open to it, but I'm not even trying. I'm not trying. Um, I'm focused on so many of the things that I am doing that I really enjoy and I want to to do. And so I'm, I know there's not enough space on my metaphorical plate of like, I got Ellie, I got my personal stuff. I got like social media. I got these business projects I want to do. I got real estate. I'm pretty full right now. And I know that because I've gotten overflowed before and I've done under, you know, been underproductive, I guess you'd say 
and I've, I've learned over the years, like, okay, I'm about, this is about full. I don't, I can't take out too many more things. Uh, and if I'm going to be dating, I want to, um, you know, give what I think someone should give in a relationship and like, I, you know, I'm my full self in a relationship. I want to make sure that I'm fully present, fully there and showing up. And I know right now I could show up on like little spurts of time. And then there's times where I know I will not be able to show up. And so that's not fair. So that's why I'm not dating. So that sounds like a very mature actually point of view. And I know I said, I wasn't going to ask any of the regular questions, but I think just to be fair, let's give the people some context because you are actually quite young, right? Like only 31. Just turned 32. Yep. Okay. 32. See, you know, you have the face of a 31 year old face of a baby. (laughs) I'd like to thank my sponsors for my skincare routine. (laughs) No, Um, but you have a young child. She's seven. Yep. Seven and a half. Yep. That age wrong. So So you had a child fairly young. And now you are in this place where if I'm going to date someone, I need to be whole and things like that. Have you always thought that way or has it been because of life experience or what you've gone through? Uh, it's definitely through experience. So uh, knowing, you know, I learned my, I learned the size of my plate, right? It's medical oracle, but I like to, to use this analogy and uh, it's been full for many other things, you know, not necessarily just relationships, but business, personal stressors, uh, like, you know, when a divorce happens, I was married for about five years and then got divorced. I've been divorced for about four and a half years now. And so like when the divorce part happened, that's, that takes up part of your plate, right? The stressful part, like how much energy you can give towards anything. Uh, and just through life experience that I realized, you know, how my plate looks, is it growing? Is it shrinking? And, and what can I do or not do? Um, yeah. So I forget the part of your question you're asking, but that's no, that's awesome. You answered yeah. the question. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. So like, have you done any kind of like therapy or anything like that to aid you through that process? Uh, I've actually not been to therapy uh, through like repeated consistent sessions. I do a lot of consuming of content that is around therapy and like doing podcasts with therapists and working with therapists on content. And so like, by helping the other byproduct. people. I know, by helping. <laughs> I've gotten byproduct therapy. That's exactly right. So like, even like talking with you and like talking uh, and people in this arena of like, you know, so men's mental health or just mental health in general, therapy, psychology, psychiatry, all the things, you know, family counseling, you know, just talking with a lot of people uh, that are in the fields, I absorb quite a bit, right? And then, you know, my, my, my prior job, I was a police officer for five and a half years and I got to work a ton with, um, uh, department of human services. So like social workers, uh, we, there was a mental health response team we had dedicated to mental health calls. And so I worked with a therapist, uh, she was a licensed psychiatrist or therapist, something, uh, on a daily basis. Right. So literally thousands of hours working with people in that field. Um, but have I paid and gone to therapy in a room? It's happened, yes, (laughs) but not on a consistent, regular basis, no. Right, but you've still had so much exposure, it sounds like, to people with a lot of healthy tools and just the nature of your previous work exposed you a lot to a huge range of even just experiences where you had to learn how to self-regulate. So that is 
no doubt contributing to your ability to measure what a plate looks like right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. The experience part is huge. And, and then seeing, again, consuming other people's like life, I guess, right. Seeing, hearing their full story, whether they, you know, whether they were a, a victim, a witness or a suspect in like whatever police scenario is going on, uh, hearing their story, what led to that moment, getting their backstory. Cause when we're with someone, we're not with them for just like 30 minutes. We're with them, you know, if we're taking any kind of action, uh, six hours, like, <laughs> like we're with them for like a long time sometimes. So you really get to dive into their family dynamic and their story and what led them to here. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you start seeing patterns and start seeing trends of like, okay, when people do, I don't know, X, Y, Z, or when this happens, I see a pattern. <laughs> so you just pick up on it. Wow. So can I actually digress for a second and ask, why did you step out of the force? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, the, so the biggest straw on the camel's back, right? This is like the metaphor I like, is I got to spend more time with Ellie, my daughter, seven-year-old, right? And so uh, tons of contributing factors. I had, so I left January 1st of 2021. So not that long ago. Um, and I graduated with my... Um, I graduate degree in June of 2020. Ellie was starting kindergarten in fall of 2020. So her schedule was going to change to school hours, business hours. And so I was working shift work, swings, nights, days, weird week, days of the week. And I was like, oh, it's a perfect time to transition. I've got five years of police stuff. I've checked all the boxes with experience. Like I'm satisfied and happy and glad I did that. Uh, and, and so really the biggest driving factor was to spend more time with Ellie, right? I can match up our schedules a lot better. Um, and then there's still, you know, other contributing factors, right? Like stress from work. Do I want to do 25 more years of policing? The state of policing at the time and currently, like, you know, a lot of other things that weigh in it. But the biggest one was I get to see Ellie way more often. Wow, that's awesome. So that also is, you know, I want to dive into the experience of you being a man, having experience as a police officer, because I know it's a stressor. And then also, you know, going through this divorce process. And, you know, when you talk about seeing Ellie, obviously, I'm sure it's much harder because of the divorce, right? Like if you have shared custody and things like that, it's like you have to work around that schedule. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, when I first got divorced, it was June of, well, it separated June of 2017, finalized December of 17. Uh, and I was still like in the middle of my police career. And so I think at the time I was like swing shift. So I was working Wednesday through Saturday, 2 p.m. to midnight or 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. or something like that. And so that was interesting. So that my schedule played a big part in our parenting schedule. Like my work schedule had a big driving factor on what I was going to be able to get, I guess you could say. Uh, or what it ended up being for my parenting schedule, which was frustrating because I like, so Ellie was a planned baby. I was 24, her mom was 28 and uh, we wanted to have a baby and we like figured out her calendar, you know, mom's calendar and just like, all right, this is the week, right? Boom, one and done, like first try. So, which a lot of, a lot of people aren't as, as fortunate as we were, but first try, I got a baby. And, um, and so I didn't realize how much I loved being a dad until I was actually a dad and met Ellie. Right. Like I, someone told me like, Hey, oh, you, you, it's, it's a big deal. Once you meet your daughter. And I always thought that was a weird 
concept of, let me meet my daughter. She's right there in her stomach, right? I go, right there. You know, like, no, 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 once you meet her. I'm like, all right. And like the moment she comes out, I'm like, oh, I fucking get it. <laughs> Come here, baby. You know, like you're everything. And uh, I didn't know how much I was going to love being a dad until I became a dad, right? Okay. And so that being said, you know, going through the divorce process, just because I hear a lot of negativity on TikTok, super negative place anyway. Mm, um, sure. But what was your experience? And it might help to say maybe like the state that you're in just because laws vary by state. What was your experience going through the system? Yeah, so I'm in Oregon, and that's where the custody case went through. Uh, so my experience through the divorce was it was fairly amicable, honestly, the, the divorce part. Uh, it wasn't until about two years later when we, um, this is when we start, I graduated school and I was going to start a new job. So new schedules, new parenting stuff or parenting schedules. Uh, that was where we had our first kind of bigger hiccup uh, or hurdle for both of us and stress. Um, and so my, my experience through the process in Oregon Oh, it's hard to sit. Like, I guess what are some pain points people are that you work with at least? What are the, what are their big pain points they bring up? Cause mine was, it's like, I know what to expect. Uh, they do favor women. It appears it's so hard to know unless you have all the information in front of you, but it, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I was duped in any way, but there's definitely some small parts in there where it's like, but why, like, why, you know, why does it lean this way? Like, Sometimes they're explained away and sometimes there's like no explanation. Yeah. And I didn't want to say anything because I don't want to like color your experience with other people's experiences. And I wanted to get, if, if it was a good experience for you, it's like that that's a good experience for you. I think a lot of what colors the situation is the partner that we pick and how they want to spin the tale of separation. And, and also like, you know, what state you get married in is also the prenup that you invisibly sign if you don't create a prenup yourself. So oh, yeah. that's why I said name the state because the state does matter as far as like what the rules are. And then some people get angry and they blame. And now I'm just going off on a tangent, but a yeah. lot of a lot of the men on my TikTok have been angry because they say women are just going to take you for everything and blah, blah, blah. But you have to pay attention to like what agreement you're signing in the beginning. It's wild how it works. I've had great conversations about this exact topic where it's so interesting. I get asked the question, right? Uh, are you going to get remarried again? Right. Do you want to get married? Um, it's a normal question. And I understand why people ask it, right. It's a big thing. And at my age, it's interesting. Like the types of people that are in my dating pool are going to, there's like a you know a few categories. It, it could be someone who's, you know, 28, never married, no kids or 27, whatever age, and uh that's me just, that's it yeah so like let's just say so like, am, I say, yeah. pool? am i in the pool right as far as age range goes right and so it's like they're 27 28 no kids no marriage and then like um and some of those people that are in that demographic they're dead set on getting married they feel like their clock is ticking because like their desires are marriage kids white picket fence that story right the disney story and then uh and so or it's, or it's people who are half kids that are maybe Ellie's age or even younger, but I had Ellie when I was 24 and these people had their kids when they were 28 or 29. And so now they're like, they're like 35, 36 year olds that are, have kids and can relate to my story 
it's just interesting the different types of people in the dating pool. But back to the point of uh, signing the document. So it's interesting. Are you gonna get remarried again? Uh, I'm. I want to get married again, but not sign papers with the government. Do you know what I'm saying? So it just seems so interesting that like, oh, I love you. I think you're amazing. Like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want to do all the things marriage. But hey, hear, hear me out. Let's do all those things. But then, hear me out. Let's go to the government and tell them and sign a contract with them that we don't know anything about. Let's do that. Oh, and then if we want to, if we want to break up, we have to get the government involved. And and then guess what? They get to, they get to decide how it works, right? To me, that's crazy. Now that I think about it, uh, nothing else changes other than like signing a certificate, sending it into the government, and they say you're you're married. And it's a big contract that we know nothing about. It's huge. Like, well, it depends on if you know nothing about it or not. Are you paying attention? You know, yeah. like most no, people it. do not pay attention, and they're just like, "This is a great idea. Pay forty-five dollars to the courthouse." <laughs> right? right? No, absolutely. You have to pay so, to get married, and then you have to pay more to get divorced. Absolutely, it's like this, the contract of marriage with the state. That is, is you know, there's tons of case law that determines what the law really is, right? And case law is just Sally and Joe had this experience and this is what happened. And here's what the judge decide and decided. And so then that, then maybe someone tries to appeal it or whatever. And then it's, it holds. That's how this law over here is interpreted because this judge decided on this date back in late. It's like how Miranda, you know, Miranda, your Miranda warning, you know, for like police stuff. It's, it was Miranda versus Arizona back in 1967 or something uh, that's case law and so even though there's law written on like how marriage is like the, mar- the contract of marriage uh there's a bunch of case law that you, it's so hard to interpret what scenario you're going to end up in in seven years or in 10 years or in three years that like the contract is so variable uh but yeah and do you have kids and then Right. Well, that's the thing though, too, is like, I think that's part of it that also kind of protects you is it might protect your assets when you're going in there. Like it it depends, like, are you going to make your own contract or not? Like if you could have total control, because if you have a child out of wedlock, are you entitled to any hours with the child at all? Like the mom could just run away, right? Like legally, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have children. Uh, no, they can't run it. No, you have you until there's anything signed with the courts. Yeah, the, the mom could the mom or dad could run away with a kiddo for sure. And then once you actually file for like, um, not custody, but uh, parent like parenting or like your rights, yes, you mm. yeah, they can't. Uh, so if that's going to happen, file quickly with the court to get like get on pay. Oh, what's your parenting schedule? Oh, it's just verbal between the two of us. Are you scared she's going to run away? Like your scenario, if the answer is yes. Go file that parenting schedule with the court. So now it's recognized. Okay. So if you made your, if you were able to make your own rules, would you do it that way? Or would you still like want to have more of like a spiritual agreement between you two? Like we like each other pretty well. Like, let's see how it goes. Could I sign could, could I, like a prenup you're talking about? Yeah. Like if you had a prenup. I still don't see the benefit in signing with the government at this moment. I really don't. Other than like, there's, ta- you get some tax benefit and it's not even that much. <laughs> Does it help you get a mortgage? Does mortgage, Mike? Get, uh, no, because you can be <laughs> you can be engaged, and it counts as like a partner. Oh snap! So would you get engaged so, just for like the benefits? I'll tell my mortgage loan officer I'm engaged. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
Fair enough. Engage- engagements get called off all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. What are some other things that people like ask you along along those lines? Like, will you ever get married again? They- okay, no, actually, I have a different question. Because you say that you're like perfectly happy and content with what you have. When you first started getting like really popular on social media, was it like, you know, because you're a handsome man, were people like coming at you? And did you find that kind of weird or tempting? Or like, what, what was it like in the beginning of that? No one throwing themselves at me. And like, what do you mean in your comment section? I see it all the time. That's now. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're desensitized. It's, yeah, right. It's turned. It's interesting. Like, uh, so I, I partnered with the dating app, right? As I'm actually working with a sweatshirt. It's funny. Uh, and so we get a bunch of data um, from like research we do that not I do, someone else does. But some of the problems that women have uh, is some women, right? It's not everybody, but some women that we speak with is just an overload of people coming their way. And right. So, like, say they're on Hinge and they have, they, download the app, they're on it for 10 minutes, they go to sleep, they wake up and they have 400 likes and you see every single one. You're like, oh, like what, like, how do you manage that? And it, like, you don't, like you, you can't manage that. Cause you, as soon as you go through the 400, you have another 800 waiting for you. It's like, what do you do? Right. And so, to, you know, to the word desensitize. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, that's it's it's it sounds like a similar issue where it's like you see the in my comment section right like where it's just people being thirsty or you know saying sexual jokes or whatever it is um yeah you kind of like once you just kind of ignore it almost a little bit i don't know but it changes the game okay so with where you're at right now right your life is like super content what would it take for someone to have room on your plate? Like, what do you see as like, this person could like really fit into my life? Yeah, uh, I talk about this rant like periodically in like my stories. I don't make videos on it or anything, but uh, how could someone fit into my life currently? So I really enjoy, like my priorities right now are my daughter and my like doing business. And so, cause I enjoy I enjoy both those things, all the activities around them. And so I feel as though if someone, it's like two individuals living their own life, but in parallel. So we have similar goals, similar views, uh, and similar like temperaments slash like lifestyle. Uh, Alex Ramosi has a, a post on this. He's posted a couple of days ago that I love. I love uh, and it's, yeah, he's got some great, some great little tidbits. And uh, I think it was those three things he said where it was like, cock common goals or similar goals, common or similar values, and then lifestyle, right? And those that kind of encompasses everything that you'd likely come across. Because then as soon as you have any issues that come up, you're going to default to your foundation, which are those three things. And as long as your foundation is strong, right, then you're good to go. Uh, You can work through issues. But if you have like some, you know, if one of the legs on the tripod is, is not ideal, Oh boy, we're going to have some shakiness. Uh, so for someone to fit into my life in the moment, they're going to be in a similar field as me, not necessarily doing social media stuff, but like killing it in their own regards. Right. And they're like pursuing something bigger, always kind of moving forward or adjusting uh, new opportunities 
or like hammering the one they're currently on, but like full speed ahead, they just show up for themselves daily, right? It's that all of the behavior traits and things that come with those types of people are like things that I gravitate towards, right? They're just consistent, they're disciplined, they, they're decisive, they're clever, they do their due diligence, they, they process things, they're patient, like, you know, like all that, you know, just they're mindful, all the things that come with being able to be successful in your own right, in your own area, a lot of the things that come with it are what I get attracted to. And so if you have that, boom, that's one pillar. And then like the values thing, which can be, you know, politics or your views on children or what, you know, that part, your kind of core moral compass. If those are aligned and the, in the first part, oh boy, we're getting close. And then it's like, if you have lifestyle, which can be spending habits, uh, living arrangements, kind of the logistics of physically being together with someone. Uh, if those line up, I'd have all three, it's hard, but that's really what it takes for me. Like, cause why, why settle? <laughs> so. Like, well, exactly. And I was just about to say, you seem very self-assured which is not a trait that a lot of people forget men, like a lot of people in general just don't seem to have. And I'm really curious, do you have like any advice for men around your age or men who are kind of like looking to be as self-assured as you are, especially when it comes to like finding a partner? Because I think men, just like women, they are pressured into like having a family and, you know, getting things going to complete the puzzle. And there's a lot of desperation out there. So how do you just sit back and be like, it'll find me when it finds me? It's funny. I was thinking about this kind of same question. And the analogy that comes to mind is like, if someone asks you, hey, if money's not an issue and we're going to go out to, di to dinner tonight, what restaurant do you want to go to, right? And the, the, whatever the answer for the restaurant is does not matter. It could be McDonald's. It can be some fine dining it's a restaurant that you, like, where do you want to go? What do you just love, right? I want to go to McDonald's. Okay, cool. Let's start driving to go to McDonald's. Now, McDonald's, let's say, is far away. We can't, we don't know exactly where it's at. We know it's down that road. We start driving down that road. We're surely going to drive by some other restaurants, right? Do you want to pull off into these ones? No, no, I really, I really want McDonald's. It's down, I know it's down this road. I really want it. Okay, let's keep going. Let's just keep going. And so that's kind of like the analogy of, of dating trying to find the one that you know you want and you know why you want it because maybe you've experienced those other restaurants you've you've tasted that restaurant that restaurant like oh, that one's good but like it's not what I it's not what I want really I really want that one over there and then some people that where they get themselves in trouble that I see right is ah oh, man maybe McDonald's is too far away I don't, Burger King's all right I'll just I'll get some Burger King I'll be all it's fine right they're settling it's not it's not like bad but are they going to resent? I think it is not, bad. I mean, like, I mean, like, I think that's you, the problem is that people <laughs> do not like, they don't hold out long enough for like exactly what they want. They think it's like, Oh, it's too far. Maybe it doesn't even exist. Like maybe McDonald's is a mirage because I've been driving so long. And at the same right. time, the anxiety while you're driving, right. Cause you're starving. Right. Like, Holy yeah. shit. I'm starving. And I can't even enjoy the view, even though there's like mountains or a beach or whatever. Like, but you're like, yo, I'm like, fulfilled off this prana this life energy and i'm going and i enjoy the view as i'm driving i know i'm gonna arrive to my destination right and I, but and knowing so that's big so right there you said it like you have to know what your destination is right and if you don't know what you like or what you want 
it it's like finding it's like you'll eat anything yeah you'll eat anything. i love your but, analogy <laughs> so like <laughs> this is great and so it's like finding a career like what do i want to do when i grow up well like you gotta start it's like how gary v says things you gotta taste a bunch of shit right how do you know what you like i don't know fucking go try something i want to start a business cool start one maybe you go one month into it maybe you go one year into it and you're like wow this fucking sucks okay then cool stop readjust you know there's that there's that book ready fire aim where you know, do your due diligence, think about it, be mindful, and then take action. And then once you start taking action and you take actual action, you know, whether that's two months or six months or a year into the activity, stop, readjust, audit what happened. Should you adjust? If so, correct yourself. Boom, go that way. Um, and so the dating, I think same thing. You have to, back to the restaurant analogy, you have to taste a bunch of things. You have to go out there and like date, right? If you've not dated, uh, because you think you want this thing right here. Like I want to go to McDonald's because I've heard it's great. It sounds great. It looks great. Great commercials, blah, blah, blah. But you've never tasted McDonald's. You've never tasted the stuff around it or whatever. You, you don't have experience. How, how do you know for sure? <laughs> you might get McDonald's. You're like, oh, this is not like the advertisement. When you get the burger and it's like floppy, you're like, ah, oh, this is not what I was expecting. And then you just readjust. But I, so I think you have to get out there and, and date to figure out what it is you want and then reflect like AK therapy, I think too, to understand why you operate the way you do and why, you know, why you tick the way you tick. Okay. So that being said is what has, what you want changed since you like, cause at 24 years old, you thought that you knew what you wanted. Has it changed right. or like, why has it changed? Or like, what would you tell yourself at 24 like what questions or whatever would you, would you give yourself? Absolutely. It's changed for sure. Uh, the type of person that I get attracted to, um, you know, for a lot of men initially, it's like physical attraction, which has to be there for everybody, men and women um, to a certain degree. But like now it's, it's like even more so now uh, in recent years, like you gotta be physical. Like for me, I gotta be physically attracted for sure. Um, but someone, you know, it's like that trend that's going around. She's a 10, but like, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so like, if, if that's all you have is, a, is physicalness, like physical attractiveness or whatever, and you got like nothing else, man, that doesn't do shit for me. <laughs> like I can't, I can't get excited for that. Um, How soon do you think you can figure that out about someone? One conversation real quick. Okay. Like what, what needs to be said? Like, are they just dry? They that just could, yeah. <laughs> dry. It's so like, when I say one conversation, you, you could have one conversation to quickly find out if it's a no or a let's find out. Right. Uh, and that conversation will keep, keep expanding to where it's like, you're either, you're going to come across either a, oh my gosh, no, or oh, let's find out. And you kind of keep progressing in this conversation, which then progresses into like, a friendship and then into a relationship as long as they keep as long as they and yourself keep passing these hurdles i guess you could say uh of like you know your immediate nose your your questionable things on somebody like whether you, you know you decide you want to keep pursuing or not but pretty quickly like there's some obvious no's right away with with like the one conversation like what what they're doing in life and why they're at where they're at and like the way they articulate their story, um, how they present themselves, uh, whether physically or with what they're talking about, the content of what they're talking about, like, 
their tone, reading the room, their social, like their social cues they're picking up on or not. <laughs> like just being aware, um, you can pick it up pretty quick. You think that your, how you feel about yourself affects how you choose your partner? Do I think how I feel about myself affects how I choose a partner? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of hear this question in two different ways, right? Like I hear it in the way of if I'm happy, if I'm positive, if I'm energetic and moving forward, it's going to come across. It's going to, you're going to feel that you can't really like describe it or pinpoint it, but it's like the pot. So I get comments and DMS about like my videos, like, Oh, you're so positive in your videos, even though, I'm like talking about some dark humor thing, making fun of it. And I'm like self-deprecating a little bit in the video, making a joke and like, oh, you're so positive, right? And so it's like, it's the, it's the intangible like that you give off. Do you think that like how you feel about yourself affects how you choose a partner? So like we said, if you're starving, you might eat any kind of food, mm-hmm. but if you're satiated, you might go for the food that you want. So how you feel about yourself as being like satiated or not? Do I have high self-esteem or low self-esteem? Is that going to affect the type of partner that I choose? Yes, absolutely. So when you say that, I think of the saying, make decisions from a place of abundance. Meaning if you had, if you knew you had a million dollars in the bank, no matter what kind of business you're running, big or small, you got a million, you got plenty, plenty of money in the bank for your business, let's say. What decision would you make on this topic right here in front of you? Like, oh, you're talking about a marketing budget, let's say. Well, I really want to, do Facebook ads at this amount because I know it works. Like I, I have a formula I've used before it's proven this works, but man, it's a thousand bucks. I'm like, I don't want to spend a thousand. I've only got 5,000 in the bank. Is it the right decision? You know, if you, if money was not the issue, let's say in that scenario, because, but is it the right decision, right? Like, does it make sense? You know, and why, and understanding why. So like making decisions from a, place of abundance as, a, as opposed to a place of scarcity uh, affects how you make decisions, how you choose, right? So if you're, again, if you're hungry for a relationship and you're like lonely and you're, you're feeling isolated and you're feeling scarce, like, ah, yes, I'll pick you because you chose me too. Like, bad decision, likely. <laughs> uh, but if you know they're out there and you know your worth and you're, you're very content with where you're at, and you're again, happy as an individual, you hear that saying sometimes, right? You gotta be happy before you choose somebody else to come into your life to make you more happy or, you know, to be happy together. Uh, you gotta make sure you're first in that place mentally and in, in your whole life. So how can men get to that place? Because I hear a lot of, you know, there's a lot of men who they just don't know how, and you are so self-assured and self-confident. You've already been to a divorce and you're single dad you know, like all these things and you're so young and you have your own business and X, 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 Y, and yet you're so chill and so calm and so self-assured. How can other men get to the place where you're at, where they're not freaking out and they're not starving for affection or love. And they don't also self-deprecate themselves to a point of, you know, feeling bad all the time. Yeah. So looking inward is huge. So what I mean by that is knowing what stresses you out for me that's that's helped me a ton so like the plate that i talk about right certain tasks on this plate weigh heavier than others even though you know so there's like the time it takes to do certain tasks 
versus like the effort level and like the brain power consumption it takes to do these tasks. Uh, so really understanding what it is that stresses you out. So for me, finances is one thing, right? Everything else in my life could be squared away, good to go. But if I don't have enough money coming in, uh, I it's always looming back in my head. It affects how I how I show up to work meetings, to podcasts in my videos or whatever. Uh, because I know that like, oh, I have this, this urge to like, I gotta go make some more money because I, I don't feel safe enough, right? And that's all relative how much money you need, right? You know, I keep my personal overhead expenses like super low for that, for that reason, that I love the feeling of being financially safe. And so I know that that stresses me out so much when I don't have enough money, like, or enough money coming in really is what it is for me, cash flow, uh, that I focus on that hardcore. And so once I got to a place where I know I have enough money coming in from like, you know, multiple sources, I feel good. I feel safe. And so then I can work on something else. Right. And, and for me, physical fitness, uh, I was heavy. I was overweight as a kid and I didn't like that for myself. And so I know that being physically fit to how I like, right. Um, gives me so much confidence. Um, that I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with how I feel, how I look, like how mobile and limber I am. I can play with Ellie and not like worry, I can't keep up or like, I don't know, do that. So I guess my advice for other men is that want to get to a place of, you know, being so confident and just like, <laughs> it's honestly like not caring what people think. Cause I really like someone can think, what I don't, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Like, cause I'm in, I'm in my own life. Like it's, no one's going to, no one's going to be there except for you. Everyone's thinking about themselves, not in a bad way. Everyone's selfish in the sense of like self-serving and uh, make it, doing what's best for themselves, which they should be. They should, you can't help others until you help yourself. Uh, you can't give until you have enough for yourself and have an abundance uh, metaphorically or literally with money, um, all the things or time. So like, I think just become like the best version of yourself, like just become an absolute animal in all regards uh, in your life. And until you're there, like, and again, it's all relative until you're there. Don't stop daily. Why stop? If you're like, we're all going to die one day, right? Why not have a cool story? Fucking kill it every day. All the areas of your life. Just fucking go for it. That's amazing. I'm not even sure how to follow that up. Uh, mind blown. Moment of silence for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I, mean, a lot, I get that question quite often because I guess that's how it comes across in, in videos or in, like in this conversation. Right. Like, how do you how do you not care? How do you be so confident in like or that positive energy? I'll, you know, a lot of it for me is patience in the sense of like not, not a lot gets me riled up. Uh, I'm in control of my emotions. I'm in control of me. Do I get upset or like do emotions come up? Well, yeah, I'm a human. That's a physical thing. You know, someone cuts you off in traffic. You're, you're for a moment that you're like, that's wrong. I don't, that makes me upset. But the human part of you that has like, who's in control, your body or your mind? There was, I just listened to some podcast. It was listening to, uh, it's I forget who it was, but they're talking about 
your mind being control your body. So talking about like Navy SEALs and people going through like super hard training, rigorous scenarios and their body or like marathons too. It was Iron, it was Iron Man story is what it was. Uh, and their body wants to quit. And then like they talk about how their mind, they're like, fuck you body, I'm in control. We're doing this, right? It's Who's like more David gonna... Goggins podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. David Goggins. Like... It wasn't him, but yeah, same idea. My body withered into a ghost, and I said, "Fuck you, body. We're still running." I died, and I came back to life, and I said, "I'm not dead yet. Heart, keep pumping." But it's it's. I mean, like it's kind of similar to that, where it's just you being control yourself. You're gonna let your you're gonna let someone who cut you off in traffic really ruin your day, really make you upset. They're really gonna drive decisions for you because, like because you can't control control yourself to not care about this this fucking three second moment. Like, did they do something wrong? Sure. Do you need to tell them about it? No, who the fuck cares? They're gonna do it again, just like you're gonna probably do it periodically in your life too. Like, Well, in following let- the same track of that, because I love what you just said, you're gonna let this person, you know, ruin the rest of your day for this one moment. Um, because this is also a lot of the, the backlash that I get from TikTok, from men who are very angry at women who broke their heart at one point or cheated on them. You know, it's like a horrible thing, but I have the same response of like, you're going to let this person like ruin love for you in its entirety, like turn you into this bitter, bitter raisin of a person. Like, I don't know. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, uh, I would say I would ask that question and then I would be quiet to wait for a response. Silence is a huge, a great tool. Uh, ask the very direct question and then wait for the response. Uh, let it sit. And then, then I ask them what they want. Like, do you want a relationship? Well, yeah. Okay. So what are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do about it? Like put, I, I would put it on them. Like, what the would question- you say to all the men and that wasn't, that wasn't for you to give me advice. I'm talking oh, about no, for, yeah. the, for the men, you know, like who have this perspective of women or men who maybe have betrayed them if they're gay, whatever it is, you know, yeah. like, what would you, you know, say to them if they've been hurt? Like, if they've been hurt. Yeah, that shit happens. There's humans out there. It happened, process it. And then fucking buck up a little bit, right? Is it shitty? Yeah. Does it hurt? Yeah. Does it make you want to cry or or fucking be mad at all women? Yeah, absolutely. I get it. Okay, now that we're past that, what are you going to do next? What like, if they keep running into the same problem over and over again? That's good. They recognize that they keep running the same problem. So that's a plus. That means they kept trying. So that's a positive, positive thing there. Now, back to the ready, fire, aim. So they're ready. They fired. Ooh, they missed, let's say whether it's their fault, that person's fault, or just, you know, the scenario, you got to aim. You can't just ready, fire, ready, fire, ready. You got to fucking aim at some point, right? Understand why you're hitting the wrong target. Um, Is it you? Is it them? Is it circumstances? Just, you know, what, why did what happened happened, right? Whose fault it is, it, it doesn't even matter. You know, it, whatever it is, is what it is but understanding why it happened, what cultivated that scenario. Cool. It sounds like it's these things that cultivated it. Now let's aim, try again. And then we're going to find something else. That like, oh shit, I was wrong about this, but right about that. Let's readjust again, go this way. 
so you can't just you can't just be ready fire ready fire you have to aim and aiming is doing an audit on that relationship doing an audit on yourself asking for help whether it's a friend a therapist whoever it doesn't have to be someone that's you know you pay it could be just anyone just bounce ideas off of to get like a third perspective uh, someone who's not so close to the to the issue at hand you have to aim you know readjust so for the guys that have been burnt i'm sorry guys uh that shit sucks real bad sometimes sometimes like you're like the fucking guy like you're doing all the things that you think you're supposed to be doing that you are doing and you're fucking killing it showing up doing the things and you're just you're that guy and then some woman or whoever some person just fucking ruins it and you're like ah that sucks now what what are you gonna do okay you want that to define you for the next if they're you know next 40 years really take a second compose yourself so that being said do you think it's hard for men now to date or to love or to just be a man in general is it hard it's hard for everybody is it hard for men yeah absolutely uh everyone's got their own hurdles for every reason men women every race every career field every state you can find a reason that it's hard for everybody right so but men in general uh i would say men in general yes men have it have it hard because women are more selective and and that's just kind of the dynamic of of what it is there's you know men are typically chasing um women get to decide like typically uh so in that sense yeah it's hard but you get to define what's hard you, you get to define why it's hard what's hard and how you attack that problem yeah and i love how you also said you can always find a reason for it to be hard yeah right like you can always find a reason for life to suck or for it to not be worth it or whatever so it really just emphasizes the fact that life is largely based on perspective because you can also always find a reason why it's not hard. You can also find a reason why your life is awesome. You can also find a reason why it's like happy and, and fantastic. Yeah. It's the victim mentality. Uh, if you're like, it is, it is the hardest person to be around. And I, I, I'm never around them anymore. People that have that victim mentality. I, I cut ties pretty quickly. Like I don't, I just, I don't be around those that energy is so, it's so pointless. It's very draining. It's, it's very so draining. draining. I made a video that on TikTok the other day that said like, choosing to have victim mentality is like admitting you like to live life on your knees. Yeah. I have no hope. I can't change my circumstances. Like I have no ability to move. Like you're just saying, I like to be here and nobody has any sympathy for you except for the other victim mentality people. I exactly. I agree hundred percent. I always ask like the question, Oh, you can't, Oh, what happened? And they'll say what happened. I'm like, Oh, you, you can't figure that out. Like you can't figure that out. Like, what about, what about this? No, I tried that. You, yeah. You it's always figure- like a, it's always like a, Oh no, I did that thing. Or like, you know, and you're just like, come on, you can't have tried every single thing in the universe. You can't solve this problem. You can't solve this problem. Like you can't figure this out. Like you're just going to give up. Like <laughs> Listen, if someone with no legs 
can figure out how to win the Olympic races, you can right. solve a problem of like finding Just, a new house, you know, like that's what people, people like make excuses for the dumbest thing ever. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Just be tough, be tougher. I mean, be tougher, like be better. Like, and that's very relative. Be better, be a better you, right? Like doesn't matter what your problems in front of you. Doesn't matter any problem, big, small, whatever, put it in front of you. You, you can't get past it. Okay. Why not? Try again, try like figure it out. Like just solve the problem. Well, I think that's part of like the problem of today is that people have lost their, their self-trust that they can figure things out. Yeah. Like they just don't, they don't even give themselves a chance to figure it out. They just want somebody else to figure it out for them. Scared of failure. How super <laughs> weird. You, you gotta, you gotta fail. How else do you, how else do you learn? We haven't placed right. enough people into survival mode. Right. That's, that's oh, the yeah. benefit of our generation. Well, I don't know. Not everybody's family was like this, but I was totally left kind of alone. I had to just figure it out from a wee yeah. child, but it gave me some skills. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if I would have chose that life again, but it gave me some skills that now I kind of just, I guess I'm throwing into everybody's face on this podcast. Oh, you had a loving family. That's very nice. I could survive. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Just figure it out. It's just problem solving is all it is. Like we're all learning. No one's got it figured out. Take one step. What's one thing you can do to solve the problem in front of you? Well, I think we need to do this. Do that, that first step. Okay, now we're in a new point of view. Oh shit, now, now what do we think we have to do to, to do this problem here? All right, take the one more step. Like, just do one step at a time, like real small things, small action steps. Absolutely. Well, we have gone through many different topics on this podcast and I'm loving that. I'm gonna use that food analogy. I love that you used the McDonald's pit stop analogy for relationships. Right. I, almost, I almost said so like- good. I almost said like some really nice restaurant, like, but that's not the point. The point is it's a place that you know you want, right? Yeah. It's where yeah. you want to be. Well, absolutely. And well, that brings up another point, just like not to digress, but not caring about what other people are going to think about the restaurant that you choose, right? Because people have preconceived judgments about McDonald's. People might have preconceived judgments about the person that you are in love with or the things that you actually want, but you have to like really put blinders on and just go with your gut. Like, this is what I want. This is what my palate wants. Like, I will not be satisfied with a Burger King. I must have the McDonald's. Yeah, if no one was watching you eat the food you eat, what would you eat? <laughs> like, yeah, if, no, if money wasn't an issue and if no one was watching you eat what would you it. Eat? You, want a, you want a hot dog with like chili on it? Then go get a fucking hot dog with chili on it. Like, if no one was watching you eat the flaming hot Cheetos on your couch, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it's good. I get it. You know? But it's just funny when we're comparing it to people, though, too. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. Well, pe- I mean, that's very true. People do. <laughs> sometimes people pick partners. I think a lot of it comes from, yeah, this is some people, uh, what their parents. Yeah, I was going to say parental expectations. Yeah. Expe- yeah, exactly. Parental expectations, right? And so it's like, or what they think society thinks they should have or do or be with or whatever, right? they're not living with you 24 seven. I'm living that person. So I'm going to fucking decide. Sorry. <laughs> like, well, and even like you said, like your, um, 
your first initial thoughts about the restaurant that you would like to dine at are, are totally going to change once you actually get to that restaurant and taste the menu. Cause you yeah. see all those golden arches. They're so beautiful. You get inside, you're like, wow, this is really shit. I go somewhere else. Your personality is awful. The values are awful. Like I'm going to go to Burger King actually now. And uh, you just got to try, you got to try it out. You got to give yourself the courtesy to try it out. You can't just say, this is going to be the love of my life forever. If you have literally never, you don't know, you don't know the values or anything. Yeah. It's like kids trying new foods. Haley, you want a piece of shrimp? No, I don't like, I don't like shrimp. Have you ever had shrimp belly? You're seven. She's like, well, I'll try one. "Ah, That's great. Just try one. Oh, I love this. Oh, fucking shocker. You know, like. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) You don't have the palate of a child when you're searching for the love of your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good quote, huh? (laughs) Amazing. Well, I appreciate you so much, Mike. Is there any last words that you would want to give to anyone listening for if they're going through a hard time and they're trying to get back on track? Yeah. If you're going through a hard time, I mean, it depends what kind of hard time it is, but you know, there's, there's people that care, right? There really is. And so finding those people that care, being around them more frequently, talking with them. If you're going through a hard time, someone's been through that hard time before. And so what's help what's helpful is finding someone who has been through that time, that issue before, and talking with them or talking around them or near them or just listening, going to their Instagram if they're like they do social stuff and they put out videos, like just listen and, and be around people who have gone through that scenario, you know, don't reinvent the wheel on how to solve a problem that is solvable. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being here on the podcast. I appreciate you. I will put all of Mike's socials in the show notes below. You can find him as Mortgage Mike on both TikTok and Instagram. Mike Draper, if you want to search for his name, he's got a store with all the single AF merch. He's partnered with a dating app. Um, as far as I know from this podcast and uh, all the goodies will be linked below. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time. Thank you.